You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. This is episode 92, and I want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. This is being released um, a few days before Christmas, almost a week before Christmas. And, you know, Christmas is such a wonderful time of the year. And the Christmas season provides us, for, for, for those of us that are Christians, it provides us with such a wonderful opportunity to reevaluate our faith and rekindle and renew our faith. Um, you know, it's easy to get caught up in all the materialism of Christmas, but, you know, in its purest form, Christmas is about the birth of Jesus Christ. And, you know, if you're not a Christian, this is such a great time to think about the claims of Christ and see what the Bible says. Maybe if you've never read the Christmas story in the Bible, um, you might want to do that this year. It's recorded in uh, in Matthew 1 and 2. And also in uh, Luke 1 and 2. And that's where we get our, our Christmas story from. And it's, it's worth reading. It's worth examining. But today, we're going to talk about um, this idea of, of Jesus really being the Messiah. Um, you know, when Jesus was born, there was this, this uh, you know, conflict. Some people believed that, yes, he was the Messiah. Other people believed, no, he wasn't. Some people believed he was the fulfillment of the prophecies. Others didn't. I had a conversation last night with a young man after church who was very honest about the fact that he's not a Christian yet, and he's searching, and, um, you know, he had some questions for me, and I listened to, you know, what what he had to, to say but he was very honest about the fact that he just didn't believe that Jesus was really the way to God. And and I just encouraged him. I said, man, it's Christmas time. Why don't you get into the Bible, get into the New Testament, and uh, and see what Jesus himself had to say? Because he was pretty honest about the fact that he hadn't read the Bible that much. And so I said, man, dig in and see, see what God might say to you. But today, I want to take you through, um, we're going to look at actually four prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, and there's many, many more, but we're going to use the gospel of Matthew as kind of a a springboard to talk about this. Uh, Matthew's gospel is such a great place to begin because it's a, uh, uh, in its purest form, it was written to Jewish converts to Christianity, and so Matthew was very, very concerned um, about showing that Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophecies. So, we're going to take a few of these. We're going to dig into them. I'll give you the scriptures. I'll read you some scriptures, and, um, and let's see what, what we can find out. Now, the first prophecy that we're going to want to talk about is the first one that Matthew mentions. It's actually in Matthew chapter 1 and verses 20 to 24. And it says, but as he, and it's talking about Joseph, uh, considered these things. And, and just to give you a little bit of context, um, many of you know that uh, uh, Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary, 
but she was engaged to a man named Joseph, and she had to kind of break the news to Joseph that uh, she was pregnant. And, um, you know, she shared with him the encounter that she had um, with the angel and how God had, had spoken to her. And it is Joseph, in verse 20, it says, As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She shall, she will bear a son, and you will call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now this this prophecy that's quoted is, is quoted almost verbatim from the prophet Isaiah. And, uh, and just to um, let you hear the, the prophecy itself from Isaiah, this is from Isaiah 7, uh, verse 14, and Matthew um, quoted it, and he said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So, so Matthew pretty much just took it right out of Isaiah and said, Look, this is a fulfillment of this prophecy. And, you know, the idea of the virgin birth was just as shocking to them as, as it would be today. Um, there was a stigma that was attached to Mary's pregnancy that both she and Jesus had to live with for their entire lives. For, for much of Jesus' ministry, there are several times in the Gospels where he's, he's slandered, where he's insulted because of the nature of his birth. He was considered a bastard. He was considered uh, born of an illegitimate birth. He was considered, um, uh, you know, his mother got pregnant out of wedlock. So, so there was this stigma that, that, that kind of followed Jesus around. But there's another prophecy in the Old Testament that actually relates to the virgin birth. And this is in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. And, and, and in this passage, um, God is actually speaking to Adam and Eve after they had sinned. And he speaks to the serpent. He's actually pronouncing judgment on the serpent. And he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, most Bible scholars understand that this is the first prophecy for the Messiah. And the reason for that is, uh, uh, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, when it uses the word here um, in the English Standard Version, uh, the translation is offspring, but the, the more correct translation would be seed. And we know that the seed doesn't come from the woman. The seed comes from man. That's biology 101. But here it says that, uh, God says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and between her seed. So there seems to be this indication here, this prophecy that there's going to be something special about Jesus' birth. So, um, you know, again, people scoff at the virgin birth. I understand. It's, it's, that's why we call it a miracle. But um, it was prophesied even here in the third chapter of the Bible that something interesting was going to happen um, between the woman and between 
the, the, the man and between the serpent, and there was going to be something special about this birth because the prophecy here is there's going to be somebody, there's going to be some offspring that's going to come from the woman that's going to bruise the serpent's head. So this seems to be a, a messianic prophecy. Now the second prophecy that, that Matthew records is in chapter 2 and verses 4 through 7. And here um, we have the prophecy of where Jesus was going to be born. And here, here's what it says. In assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now this is recorded in Micah 5.2, and Matthew incorporates it here and says that this prophecy was fulfilled in Christ. And this is a very, very strong Old Testament prophecy. Um, not only does it predict where the Messiah would be born, but it also predicts and refers to the Messiah as the one whose, um, as one translation says, whose origins are from, of old, from old, from ancient times. In this prophecy that, that uh, he would uh, be a ruler and he would shepherd the people of Israel. So this is a very, very powerful prophecy. Um, you know, there wasn't a really clear picture in the Old Testament that... Uh, the promised Messiah was going to be divine. Um, this was something that this theology actually developed later on. But this passage seems to really make the point about Jesus' divinity. Now before we keep going, I've got a couple of other prophecies I'm going to share with you. I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Miracles and Mark. Miracles and Mark would be a great Christmas present for somebody on your list. Um, the four Gospels describe and record the life of Christ, and Mark was the first Gospel that was written. And it contains more miracles and more supernatural acts of Jesus than any of the other Gospels. And what we do in the Miracles of Mark is we actually break these down and we, 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 we find out what we can learn from each miracle. It's perfect for individual and for group Bible study. So check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes. And, uh, and while, you're, while you're looking for people on your uh, Christmas list, go to davidspell.com and check out my resource page for many, many other great books as well. Well, welcome back. We've, we've mentioned two prophecies already. We're talking about, is Jesus really the Messiah? And did the prophecies really indicate that he was the Messiah? And the first one we mentioned was the fact that um, uh, Jesus would be born of a virgin. And that was the prophecy from Isaiah where um, he, he predicted that he would be born of a virgin. We also mentioned the one in Genesis 3.15 where God pronounced judgment on the serpent and said that there would be enmity between the seed of the woman and the enemy's seed, and that the seed of the woman would crush the enemy's head. And we mentioned the fact that the seed, as we know from Biology 101, doesn't come from the woman, it comes from man. So there was this, this, uh, there's this indication here that there was going to be something special 
um, about um, one of the descendants of woman. And then the second prophecy we mentioned was the one that predicted where Jesus was going to be born, the prophecy that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. Remember, the wise men went to Jerusalem to to look for, for Jesus, but when they met with King Herod, uh, he was shocked. He didn't know what was going on, and so he had his wise men um, in his court pull the scriptures out, and they said, no, 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 it's not Jerusalem, it's Bethlehem where Jesus is going to be born. And then the third prophecy we want to mention is in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. And here we have the uh, prediction of Jesus being taken to Egypt. And uh, let's see, chapter 2, verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And so Joseph arose, he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. And he remained there until the death of Herod. And this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. And this is a referral to the prophecy in Hosea. And Hosea 11.1, 1, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. And so when Herod uh, came, he sent his soldiers to come and actually kill children, uh, male children, two and under, in Bethlehem and the surrounding area. And God had sent the angel to, to have Jesus and his parents taken um, to, to Egypt where he would be safe. But this passage here in Hosea poses a problem. Listen to it again. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Now, the reason it poses a problem is that here, if we're going to be honest and clear to the, and true to the text, it's very clear that Hosea was referring to Israel, the nation, and not the Messiah. And remember, God had called the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Um, they were slaves in Egypt. He sent Moses. You know the story in Exodus. Moses set them free, and then the nation of Israel was formed from them. But in light of the totality of Jesus' ministry, it becomes very obvious, though, that Jesus saw himself as the embodiment of Israel. Uh, many scholars would actually teach that, that God gave Israel a job to do. He sent them to be the light to the nations. And in some ways they fulfilled this, in some ways they failed this miserably. But Jesus came to um, embody what Israel was supposed to be. And Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. In a very real sense, Jesus was the new Israel seeking to fulfill God's plan for his people. And then we're just going to mention one more prophecy. And there's many others. Matthew is, is, uh, goes to great lengths to show Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures and to show that he is the Messiah who was coming. But one last one is in chapter 8, and it's verses 14 to 17. And here Matthew writes, And Jesus entered Peter's house, Peter the disciple, and he saw Peter's mother-in-law laying sick with a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him, to Jesus, many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. 
This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now, Isaiah 53 is the strongest messianic prophecy in the entire Bible. Um, messia- Isaiah 53 shows um, probably the strongest correlations that we have between uh, the Old Testament prophecy and, and showing it being fulfilled in Jesus. And for Matthew's purpose here, he only quotes just a short passage. And it's the part where it talks about the Messiah being a healer. He took our illnesses and he bore our, our diseases. And, um, you know, this very short passage shows that physical healing was going to be a part of the Messiah's uh, ministry. And in Jesus' earthly ministry, uh, miraculous healings and spiritual healings were a major part of, of what Jesus did. I mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago that the, the, this episode is brought uh, to us by my book, Miracles and Mark. And in that book, especially, we, we really dig into the miracles of Jesus healing and touching people, both physically and spiritually. And so, so this was um, very clearly talking about Jesus. And I, I encourage you to read all of Isaiah 53. It's a brilliant, brilliant messianic pro- prophecy. And it's also clear that Jesus expected his followers to do these same works because he sent them out with instructions to do them. When you read the Gospels, you see Jesus over and over again sending his disciples out to do the same kind of works that he was doing. Now, these are just four simple prophecies that Matthew gives us to show that Jesus is the Messiah. Most scholars, most biblical scholars, number between three and four hundred messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. Each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each of them list and give some of these prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Matthew's Gospel, however, gives many more than Mark, Luke, or John. But here we've only highlighted just a few of them just to kind of get you started if you want to look at some of the messianic prophecies that are found in the Scripture. Well, now it's your turn. What do you think? Do you see Jesus as a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies? Have you ever studied the Old Testament? Have you ever studied the Old Testament prophecies and compared them to what we see in the New Testament? I'd love to hear from you. What's your favorite Old Testament prophecy? And what do you see, uh, and how do you see those prophecies being fulfilled in the New Testament? Go to davidspell.com, leave me a question or a comment in the comments section for today's post. I'd love to hear from you. And while you're at davidspell.com, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so we can stay connected. I publish three blog posts a week, and by subscribing, they'll just come right into your inbox. Subscribers also get my free subscribers-only newsletter that I send out once a month. And in this newsletter, we talk about uh, there's some extra leadership tips, some other scriptural insights, and I give you some news on what Annie and I are doing in Brazil. So I'd love to stay in closer touch with you. Well, friends, thanks for being with me today on Leading and Learning. Again, I hope you have a wonderful and a merry and a blessed Christmas, and we'll see you next time on Leading and Learning.